And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello, and welcome to P.S. I Love Rom-coms, the podcast about serenading your crush Kissing in the snow and slush, and competitive siblings that are a little mush. <laughs> We're your hosts. I'm Allie. And I'm Mia. PSA Love Rom Coms is a rom com review podcast where each week, Allie and I give ourselves the gift of getting to discuss rom coms and debate the ever pressing question which rom com is the best rom com of all time? For the month of December, we are returning to the tradition we began last year by watching beloved holiday rom coms. So finish up your Christmas window display. Hop onto your sleigh and say, hooray, because it's time to celebrate the holidays with P.S. I love rom-coms. Ho, ho, ho. Oh. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and now we like to start off each episode with a little segment called which rom-com hero or heroine are you channeling where we equate the experiences we've had this week with the famous rom-com hero or heroine and i can start us off um this week i am channeling bridget jones for bridget jones's diary but in a more fun second act kind of way third act no second act um, where I'm channeling the like fun trope of the big quitting scene um, where I have a job that's bad and it's not working oh. out. I know, I know. And it's very sad. But I spent several days sort of drafting up like an absolutely savage, justified, amazing little thing. And I was going to go scorched earth and just send in my thing and be like, this is what's wrong with this place. And I'm never coming back. And then I did. And then I did sort of think better of it. And I did end up giving a week's notice and just say that I got a better job. But I have it in my back pocket. I still might fire it after I leave. And I still sort of got the I still feel the empowerment of the big quitting speech because I did write the big quitting speech. I did fully intend on sending it. And then what happened was on my last shift where I was maybe never going to return, I did speak with some coworkers where we just shared the sentiment and it was sort of validated. And I was kind of like, oh, well, now that it's validated, I kind of don't have to say it to anyone else. Um, but I do sounds feel- really healthy. Like, <laughs> Thank you. Where it's kind of like, you know, sometimes just like writing it out and then or like saying something out loud and then having somebody validate your feelings is so powerful. And like that's I mean, although like the dramatic quitting scene is definitely more um, cinematic um, <laughs> and satisfying in a different way, um, there is something yeah satisfying about um yeah, like writing it all down, kind of like in a um, to all the boys I've loved before, like writing out your love, like writing out your intense feelings and getting them out. And then, um, you know, just um, kind of, yeah, reckoning with them that way. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's sort of what happened. And then in like, I still and it's still I still quit a lot sooner than I would at a normal like in my past. So I do feel the like hives being like, actually, I will not work somewhere that's a bad environment. And I sort of and I'm an adult and I don't have to. And that feels really good. Um, Ali, who are you channeling? This week, I think I'm channeling uh, the character of Susan Whitaker from (laughs) 
the newer rom-com called Love Guaranteed. Uh, <gasps> I've been really consuming these Netflix rom-coms, Mia. Oh, um, baby. They're delicious. And um, Susan Whitaker is played by our beloved Rachel Lee Cook. Um, and Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, she's so incredible. She's just like such a cute and funny woman. Um, she's so great. Um, and in the... And in Love Guaranteed, she has this car um, that has, like, a, I don't know if it's a CD or, like, a tape deck that's, like, stuck in her car. And it just plays the same song over and over and over again. <laughs> um, and she just, like, doesn't get it fixed. And she has, like, a car handle that always falls off and she just like doesn't fix it she just kind of lives with these like broken <laughs> things in her life and doesn't really um address them and um i guess i'm someone who just kind of lives with um broken things in my life uh it was pointed out to me um <laughs> recently that um my phone at 1 p.m every day the alarm goes off um <laughs> because like three months ago i had an uh, I had to like move my car at 1 p.m. at a parking spot. And so I set an alarm and on the alarm, I sent it to every day instead of just like a one-time thing. And um, Mia, it's been months and I have not, you know, just like stopped the alarm. So now every day at 1 p.m., my alarm goes <laughs> off. Um, Wait, and you can just turn it off. It's I not broken. You can just turn it off, but you choose I just, not to. I just haven't because I'm always doing something at 1 p.m. And so what I do is I just kind of like do the quick shut off, but I don't do the like, yeah, like the like the toggle. So it's you know forever gone. Um, so yeah. Look. That's absolutely fine with me. You're talking to the wrong person. That is also my personality. I will not take the moment. I will never take time in the moment to complete a task that can be put off for longer. And I won't. And you can't make me. So I think that's absolutely fine. And that's and that's and of course we do belong in a rom com as those women who will not refuse to fix. Um it, there are things it was in their also, lives. Yeah, it was also pointed out to me that um uh by uh the woman i'm dating she's like your uh car is off by an hour did you not change it for <laughs> you know daylight savings or whatever daylight thing we're in right now and i was like no i just let it be wrong for half a year <laughs> and then six months later it's right again and she's like ali do you want me to change it for you because i can't i'm like yeah it's whatever uh, <laughs> like but then how will i know what time it is because i normally just have to think about it as an hour behind oh yeah. my god now that will... is where we differ ali is i do i am a clock changer i will change the clock so oh. there you do beat me and <laughs> and that's right and that's justified and that's that is and you and honestly you're a busy lady getting stuff done so it's like you have other things to do is sort of how i interpret that yeah, it's always like if I'm in the car, it's always like I'm going somewhere. Like I don't, you know. I, I don't have and time the energy to... with which you said that explains everything. Yeah, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. <laughs> I gotta get there. <laughs> I'm gonna like, push buttons on my car. Okay, this is no, like, fun. No. I'm doing something. Um, Absolutely, thousand so. percent. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of technological mishaps. Should we get into our movie discussion? Yes, let's do it. So uh, the movie we watched this week was Netflix's 
2021 rom-com Love Hard. In this film, Natalie, played by Nina Dobrev, thinks she has found the love of her life on a dating app. But when she travels to her online crush's hometown to surprise him for Christmas, she discovers that Josh, played by Jimmy O. Yang, has catfished her and is not the man in his profile picture. However, the man who is in Josh's profile picture, Tag, played by Darren Barnett, lives in Josh's town. And Josh, to make up his deception, promises to help Natalie win over Tag if she pretends to be his girlfriend for the holidays. Love Hard was directed by Hernan Jimenez and written by Danny Mackey and Rebecca Ewing. Fun fact, Jimmy O. Yang and Harry Shum Jr. both star in another romantic comedy together, Crazy Rich Asians. Incredible. Love it. And and for those listeners who are like, oh, I don't remember seeing Harry Shum Jr. in Crazy Rich Asians. He had... he. The character he got cast as, because I had to look this up because I was like, wait, I don't remember him in Crazy Rich Asians. Um, he plays same, a, literally same boat. But, I, but I, he, I knew he was familiar, but I was like, wait, I don't remember what character he was. Yeah, he so he plays the character of Charlie Wu and Crazy Rich Asians is based off a book series. And in the <sighs> book series, his character has like a really, really big part in the second book. Um, but like is introduced a little bit oh. in the first book. Oh my God. Was he in the end sequence with Astrid? Yes. He is in oh the end God. sequence. And he was supposed to be in an earlier part of the movie as well. Like he was supposed to have a dance scene with her at the wedding, but it was cut out for time. But it was in the trailer, but it was cut out of the main movie. Uh, but yeah, he's in the end, uh, the the credit uh, scene. Okay, this makes so much sense because I did not read the first book, Crazy Rotations, but I did read the subsequent two books. <laughs> so I do, yeah. know, I do know who Charlie Wu is. Yeah. And I really don't know how they're going to, if they do a sequel. I mean, they should do a sequel, but they, they are kind of met. Sequel. It's been they an hour. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, they absolutely changed Astrid's storyline hugely, which I think is for the best. She stays in the shitty marriage like a lot longer in the books. So that will be interesting. Um, okay, good. I can't wait to see it. That makes sense. And all everything makes sense in the world now. Um, thank you. Oh my god, thank you for clearing that up, Allie. Because I was like, I know I recognize Harry Shum Jr. Yeah, I cannot remember him. He's also in, in the Glee, movie, which makes oh, sense because he sings a lot in this movie. The, the song number they do, mm -hmm. which was really good. So that so makes good. sense. Um, but Allie, um, what, okay, so I know we've not seen this before because it literally just came out. So, um, here we are, forefront of holiday rom coms, the new sort of streaming holiday rom-coms that are coming out. Allie, what did you think? Um, so I, this is actually my second time I've seen it. I had, Oh my God. I actually already, I like saw it right when it came out. Of course. Um, because I am a little rom-com junkie. Um, yes. and I cannot get enough. Um, and so I saw it right when it came out. Um, and this is my second time seeing it. And you know what? It's, because, you know, when you, 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 you're on Netflix and they have those little, like, um, like basically mini trailers when you hover, you know, yes. your, your, like, remote over a certain screen, it, it'll play. And when I saw the little trailer, I was like, oh, God, like a catfishing story. Like, I'm a, you know, a survivor of uh, online dating <laughs> and app dating. And so, like, seeing this 
uh, rom-com about someone who got catfished was like a little triggering um, as someone right. who has had kind of similar experiences uh, <gasps> with app dating. Not like huge catfishing, oh but just where like people don't look like their pictures. And right. um, and you message people for a really long time and you think you know who they are and then you go on a date with them and they're nothing like <laughs> they're nothing like That's they were true. on your phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this movie, but I did. And I think the reason why it's a, I think the reason why this movie works is because one, Jimmy O. Yang is incredible. <laughs> he is so charismatic and lovely um, and lovable that, you know, I think anybody else cast in this role, like would have been the death of this movie, but he's so good in it. Um, and I think they do a little bit of maneuvering in the plot that I think makes it work as well. And that, um, yes, you know, there's a big reveal that, uh, Josh is catfishing Natalie, but then there's the twist where he then offers to help Natalie catfish this man tag by not changing how she looks, but changing what she's interested in. Um, yeah. and she does a little bit of like personality catfishing with tag. And, um, I think, I think that kind of just puts her on the same level as Josh. And so they're both kind of like a little bit in the gray area of morality and on the same like level. And also, and also, um, what was I going to say? Um, Oh, I don't remember, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I thought that the, the pieces of the script that I was going to get hung up on, they like address really well. And, um, that was really fun. And I loved all the references to other Christmas movies and rom-coms. <gasps> oh my God. I know. It Mia, was... what, did, what, did, what did you think? Cause this was your first time seeing it. Yeah. This was my first time seeing it. I mean, I will say when it did come out, I did put on half an hour of it in the background and I wasn't really paying attention because I had the same vibe where I saw the trailer and I was like, Oh, a catfishing rom-com. This is going to be dumb and bad. And honestly, that was my thought. That was my thought. And I was like, oh, that seems like a story I'm not interested in. So I watched like half an hour of it. And I was like, yeah, this and what the little I saw, I was being like, yeah, whatever. It seems tropey. It seems kind of broad. And then so then we, when we were going to watch it, I was going to start it from there. But I was like, no, let me sit down and rewatch it from a different part. And I am so surprised and humbled and happy to tell you that I love this movie. I think it's <gasps> such a cleverly written film. I yeah. think it is a wonderful modern holiday rom-com. I agree. Yeah. I think that the way they handle the sort of main problematic element of it uh, is like, I think they do their best to try to even it out morally with the personality catfishing and then with the secret expose, which I don't think they quite carry out in the way that they could have. But yeah. I... Um, I, I do get that like they they were intending on that. And also I'm like, this is the rom-com genre. So many of the conceits are terrifying in reality. Yeah. <laughs> it exists just for the genre. It's like the house switching with the holiday. It's like, no, you don't know. Absolutely not. You're not letting a random man into your home when you're house swapping. And oh, 
just like it's like yeah catfishing in real life is terrifying and women can get abducted and it's not cute or fun but we're in holiday rom-com land yeah. and no one's getting murdered not everything's wood. safe here like in this universe it's a safe universe the rom-com we're constantly yeah. going exactly we're constantly going to small towns which in real life kind of are terrifying and scary as well and not here no, no. here everybody knows each other everyone's kind for the most part the problems are simple so and that's just kind of what we agreed to so I think you got to agree to that. And if you're already watching rom-coms, you already do. So then it's fine. Um, I was shocked at how lovely the writing is. I think, yeah, I think it was an amazing amalgamation um, with different aspects from multiple rom-coms. There is the, you've got male element of it. There is the, while you were sleeping element of it, you know, she's dragging the big Christmas tree. Like it was clearly a love letter, right? Yeah. When she's dragging the Christmas tree, just like Lucy, while you were sleeping, it's clearly a love letter to rom-coms. I think it, I think part of what I found very impressive about it was the, a dialogue, and this is what I think is coming out a lot of these streaming rom coms, is that the dialogue and the banter and the relationship between the characters feel very modernized. So their their yeah. way that they would joke with each other, all like Nina Dobrev's quips. I thought that those were all very relevant. I read a review that was um, judgmental and thought it was kind of chuggy that um, that she was like do, dunking on Baby It's Cold Outside and the Die Hard thing being like being like diehards a Christmas movie being like oh those are rote point of views and it's like yeah but we haven't seen them reflected yet in movies no one's ever written them yeah out before exactly in this way and I and I agree like early on when she was like oh like and I will say and this takes me to another point I do have which is that but I will say early on the baby it's cold outside thing I was kind of like, yeah, I've seen that before. It's not like a new idea. But then where they took it, where they redo the song. Yeah. I thought I loved that. I was like, I'm so here for that. I, I thought it was really clever and funny. And like, honestly, it's yeah, like, sure, it's not a new idea, but it is something we do need to reckon with. And, you know, Netflix streaming rom-coms are popular. And it's important for lots of people to see that perspective. So I love that. I will say earlier on when it was not quite being sold to me, and I will say here's my little thingy about mm-hmm. the casting, is I mm-hmm. do think I think the writing of the main character is really lovely. And I do think Nina Dobrev is slightly wrong for her. And I think towards the end, it gets a lot better and she is fully selling it. But um, but there is like something quite edgy about this character. And I think Nina Dobrev is so like ingenue pleasant that like her more edgy cynical points of views I felt did have a harder time I had a harder time believing them in the beginning but then by the like end I was on like Thoreau and stuff like that yeah like there was like some on Thoreau there was uh like even her view on the song let me see what else like they, I, I think it's like the, the actor maybe needed a little more bite in their personal dynamic um and I don't remember why. I just think that the the personality of the main character is like very cynical and like biting at times. And I just feel like Nina Dobrev is very like light touch. Um, and then by the end, I was on board. Um, but yeah, that was... I wish I could remember more specifics around that. It was definitely like... You, I think honestly, when she was in the cab talking about Bill Cosby, it just didn't feel like her heart was in it. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> uh, or, or like I was, you know, I don't know. You just like, it felt like it did feel like a broad take on a subject that is like, um, 
a little more serious. Uh, so I felt like some of those points of views, I felt like she couldn't quite sell. But by the end, I really liked. And I also do think, though, that is a risk worth taking because I do think that Nina Dobrev is a very smart person to cast to draw people to see the film because yeah. it's honestly one of the reasons that I was like what's this movie yeah because uh, Nina Dobrov makes interesting choices and I was like oh I don't hate watching Nina Dobrov what's she in um and I really like Jimmy O. Yang and then um so I think it all worked I just in the up top wasn't as sold but then by the end it really it really did develop for me um but yeah, I really appreciated the writing. I really appreciated the the their relationship and their interest in the way that they bantered reminded me a little bit of that movie we watched. What was it? Spontaneous? Well, it's so interesting that you bring up Spontaneous because <clears throat> I also <gasps> thought of Spontaneous when I watched this movie because they steal a joke from Spontaneous. Oh my God. What's the joke? The joke is they're like send me a dick pic and then they send a picture of richard yes! nixon oh my god they do that it's is a, the joke that exact same joke is in the movie spontaneous oh my god are you kidding that's so i was like god that feels so familiar that yeah. makes sense yeah i'm not same level of like banter and interaction well yeah. and they're not the same writer right i want to make sure let's see no the, the brian the duffield wrote um brian duffield okay yeah, spontaneous. spontaneous um yeah it that kind of like very it's like rom-com writing it's like very witty very like like smart like edgy humor um that's very yes. like um pop culture heavy exactly in a way that i eat up yum 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 i love i love i love it um what and Allie, I mean, okay, you've been on the apps as as I've discussed. I'm I am on the apps. The amount of the montages of her drinking wine and being on the apps, I found to be so like soothing and relatable and funny. And I mean, one of the first times I'm seeing that reflected back to me in a way that's very much my reality. Yeah. Uh what was that like for you? <laughs> yeah, it's I mean yeah, it was very the the profiles and like the different profile types were very very good. There's like one where there's a guy who's like it's it's at the beginning of the movie. The beginning of the movie opens with her going it's like a bad dating montage, which I love in all movies. Yes. And she goes on a bunch of bad dates um where guys like ghost her, you know, have secrets and stuff like that. And then she also um, you see her swipe on the app as well. And she swipes through men and the types that they chose to put in the movie are so funny because I do see these on apps where it's like, yeah, the guy who's like, I'm a feminist. And like, I'm like all about, you know, women's empowerment. And it's like, just in a way that, you know, is like insincere and that they're using yeah. like women's empowerment as like a tool to get into like women's pants, which is like so gross. Um, and she like, is like, yeah. no. And she like the way that she can like see through that is very um, relatable. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was very funny. Yeah. And even, yeah. And I think that's something that about 
that I really appreciate about these new streaming rom-coms is they're just really bringing the genre into what I feel is like the current cultural experience, which is lovely. Like we have all these like very funny old tropes of like running through an airport, which as you know, uh, in America, we, you can't do, (laughs) you know, it's like, yeah, you can't do that now. That doesn't happen. There's like so many tropes we've outgrown. Um, or even like, yeah. So it's, I think, I think being able to, uh, to show these types of specifics in movies. I, I, I get so happy. It's like candy for me to watch the tropes that I love, but be reflected to with like modern specifics. I I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. A trope that I think this movie does really well is the, um, kind of like getting to know you montage or the montage of the good times. Again, within a like atypical spot in the movie, usually you see that kind of like, in the midsection of the movie, but here it is at the beginning where she swipes on Josh's profile, but it's a picture of tag, but she doesn't know it. And you see her like the montage of the good times is them messaging. And you just see her walking around her house, like texting him. And there's like, you know, VO and you like in this montage, hear them getting to know each other through this conversation. And then there's this really cool, almost like, magical realism element of it where like yeah like josh appears in her home while she's on the phone in her imagination and so it's almost like they're like watching a movie and she's texting him but then like the magical realism version of josh is like sitting on the couch with her like talking to her and it's really cool Yes. Oh my God. I loved that montage. And I was surprised because it is that is one of those things. It's like we spend so much time on screens now that it's like, how yeah. can you make that something interesting to watch? And that was such a creative way to make that interesting to watch. And and it's so relatable. And it is speaking to this thing, Allie, like you were saying, where you get to know someone over the phone, over text or whatever, and you develop this personality for them and then you meet them in person and they're nothing like it. And it is so yeah. shocking. Yeah. And it is so amazing to see this psychological experience we're all having <laughs> be reflected in this way. And it's almost like, it's really close to, the way you were saying it, it's really close to the movie Her in a way. Yeah. Um, where, where it's imagined what it would be like <laughs> to fall in love with artificial intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And something I'll say as well, just to like talk a little bit more about how I think this movie accurately like reflects the modern dating experience, especially with apps is like, and this is the danger of apps. And I know a lot of people experience this, which is like you meet someone virtually and you build a certain personality for them. And then when you, if you spend too much time getting to know them online and not enough time actually like meeting them and getting to know them in person or like before you like meet them, there can be this like disappointment when the person that you've built up in your mind, isn't like the actual person when you meet them in real life. And there's a moment where, you know, Natalie does this crazy thing where uh, she flies to Josh's hometown to surprise him for Christmas. And she sees that, he, you know, doesn't look like his profile picture. And you, you see that she's kind of like, feels like betrayed a little bit, um, or disappointed, kind of both. And, um, I feel like that sometimes with online dating. Yeah. It's a, it's a really relatable feeling and it's a cool, obviously this is the most heightened version and obviously in real life, Mia's little neurotic moment corner (laughs) each episode. It's like, yeah. And that absolutely would be very terrifying if that really happened because you would be potentially being murdered. And so, you know, be be vigilant, (laughs) everyone be vigilant. Um, But, (laughs) but in addition to that, yeah, it's, it's, she's, yeah. 
it's like obviously the reality of that situation is much more terrifying than we're we're all we're in rom com land. We've all accepted it. Okay, Mia's neurotic corner. We're we're ending and we're moving forward. Um, but she's exhibiting those emotions that we all feel when we just go on a date and the person is um not who we imagined them to be based on our interactions over a text. And that's something that like I've experienced, you've experienced, like all my friends have experienced. Um, it's fascinating. Uh a moment that I wanted to talk about maybe I'm skipping too far ahead but no. I just want to kind of like applaud this aspect of this movie I think it's really well done I think the climax of this movie is incredible um yeah. we've already like talked about you know we've overviewed the plot but like there are kind of like two deceptions happening at once that both Natalie and Josh are involved in. One is that Natalie and Josh are pretending to be uh, a couple um, so that Josh like seems like he's a cool guy in front of his family um, and like he has something good going for him. And the other one is that um, Natalie and uh, is pretending to be kind of like an outdoorsy, rugged woman who eats meat um, while she's dating this guy, Tag, who used to be friends with uh, Josh. Um, and the climax of the movie is uh, Josh proposes to Natalie if, in a fake way to, you know, impress his parents and then uh, Natalie ends up at a surprise engagement party where the tag is also there. Um, and, um, there's this, it's so farcical and I love it. It like reminds me of it's like so really great. good episodes of Frasier where it's like, all oh, the lies are getting like caught up. And then there's this incredible scene where this, you know, and I love when this happens where Natalie has to make a big speech in front of everybody Telling how she's lied. Um, and I, uh, it made me so anxious. Like I was like genuinely really, really anxious. Same. Um, Cause they have like his family involved and it's like, and yes. I get it. It's like this very realness of where it's like all of a sudden tags family's involved and Oh, he never introduces his girlfriends to his family. And Oh, he thinks she's his girlfriend. And Oh, this other family thinks she's engaged to their son and their stakes are very high because there's good people and you're going to hurt their feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's really compelling not yeah. to mention an absolute rom-com mashup for the senses. Like yes. what it is like every single, you've got like the secret expose, you've got like <laughs> pretending to be engaged. You've got like the Cyrano de Bergerac yes. thing where, where um, Josh is, 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 helping her fake it to tag like you've yeah. got what i would say and obviously like there's movies where trope city can be annoying and it can be rote and this because i feel this is a love letter and it's done very thoughtfully yeah. and almost with like self-aware joy i love how intensely these are all stacked up against each other in this scene yeah and and I do too. And it feels so, it like works. And also just to circle back something that you've mentioned twice. Yeah. This, this movie does feel like, it feels like a love letter to like, yeah. Holiday rom-coms. And I, I would say, yeah. Holiday rom-coms. Like we have yeah. the kind of like homage to, um, like you said, um, uh, while you were sleeping. While you were sleeping, thank you. I was about to say sleeping in Seattle. And that's um, oh. not even the title of Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, and but, I get um, why you 
<laughs> like while you were sleeping with her, like carrying the tree up. And then you have obviously her grand gesture, which is I, as someone who loves, as you know, me, rom-coms and loves love <laughs> actually, there's mm. the really, really incredible grand gesture that um, oh, Natalie does God. for Josh where she reenacts that infamous scene in love actually where the guy has the signs that he like shows to Kira Knightley um and the writing is so good because like early on in the first act there's like this mention of like Mormons who like um come and like um you know <laughs> are trying to give them the family book of Mormons a lot and they're like no we're tired of those Mormons trying to convert us and um <laughs> the the play is the line that is in love actually is say that there are carol singers and the really funny like twist and rewrite in love hard is um say that there are mormons like knocking on the door <laughs> and it's just like that kind of attention to detail just yes. you know for us rom-com heads out there mia and i it is just so we appreciate it i and am over the moon thank about you that I am. Thank you so much. I, that was some of the most clever, thoughtful. And again, I know what you're saying. Oh, me is blah, blah, blah. No, in rom-com, <laughs> this is like high level structural integrity and attention yes. to detail. And to plant that joke, that Mormon joke in the beginning, that feels like a standalone joke because yeah. that stepmom sells it very funny. She has a whole bit where she's like, every year he's like, it's the Mormons, it's the Mormons. And you're just like, oh, what a quirky little specific. And then to have them watch Love Actually. And there's a little moment in that scene where the stepmom says it's her favorite scene. And so, of course, you're like, oh, I wonder if that's going to come back. And then to have it come back and say, tell them it's the Mormons. And not to mention that the name of the flipping mm -hmm. movie is Love Hard, a combination of Love Actually and Die Hard, mm -hmm. their two favorite holiday rom-coms. The thought that went into this, you guys, they are, this is high level rom-com structure. Yeah. And it is, I'm delighted. I'm just delighted. I'm, I'm delighted. And I love that scene so much, Allie. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I love it so much. I'm so impressed by it. Yeah, I read um a really funny tweet that said, "What was the other name for the movie going to be? Die Actually." <laughs> <laughs> that's a good sequel. That's a great sequel. Name. Oh, I thought that was that's, so funny. <laughs> that's really funny. And again, I that's a scene that that Love Actually scene is when there's just like a lovely cultural self awareness happening. Yeah, where they like acknowledging all this stuff that has sort of faded out. And again, it's almost a reference to how rom-coms, you know, of days past or the specifics and the point of views have faded out in certain aspects. So the fact that they are revamping Baby It's Cold Outside, the fact that they are yeah. redoing that scene, which is sort of famously been villainized now as like that storyline in Love Actually is like considered very creepy and gross. And what he does yeah. there... Is it, with time, yeah, it's weird. Of course, we all know I still love it. And it still is for me, but that's because I did watch it in 2001. So it's just different um, or whatever it came out. But yeah, so then to have them revamp it in this way, that is so clever and lovely. I'm, thr I'm thrilled. I'm smitten by this film. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm smitten. I feel taken care of. I feel seen. And I'm so grateful that these streaming platforms are investing money into the genre Yes. That is underlooked, often overwritten. And if you give it a chance, people will blow your freaking mind. <laughs> <laughs> One, okay. Another thing I want to talk about how I think this movie does a really good job is I thought, okay, I thought this soundtrack 
Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I'm having oh, to make that up that way. Um, yes. Okay, Go I'm ahead. gonna talk about the soundtrack, but I'm gonna do one more. I just uh, do, did you feel like her allergic reaction was like a nod to Hitch? <gasps> oh my god, yes! The day, oh my god, he's there. Yeah, she's trying to be cute. This is her. Okay, honestly, no, I did not think it, but you are correct, Dally. You are. This is rom com reference heaven, and you are a thousand percent correct, Dally. Okay, good. Because I was like, this. I feel like this is like a nod to Hitch, because like the exact same thing happened. But um, but but circling back to my other point, which is um. This uh, movie soundtrack, soundtrack is so good. <laughs> has such a sense of humor. I I didn't catch it the first time I watched it, but the second time I watched this movie, I've already watched it two times and it's been out for like what, like a month. I'm gonna watch it again. I fucking it's, love it. I'm gonna it's watch so it again. good. Um, uh, when uh, so like this movie has one of my favorite tropes: competitive siblings. Um, when yeah. Josh's brother Owen, you know, comes back for Christmas, he's you know cute like josh is like owen's the golden child everybody loves owen uh like my dad loves owen more than he loves me um the song that plays under owen's entrance is macho macho man (laughs) it is so funny and subtle and it's like macho macho Macho. man and it's and it's you know it's first of all a really funny song but it also like shows kind of like how yeah how josh views owen as like kind of the perfect macho male son and he's a candle maker uh who's kind of like quiet and nerdy and doesn't take up as much space and is like is a wallflower the the fact that his specific quirky hobby slash (laughs) job is a candle maker i mean they are taking these things to the limit like that is the most quirky quirky Uh, like non-masculine and not to say that 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 shouldn't be it's just saying that he's right they are marketed towards women it's like they that is the best possible specific they could have they could have broken out i agree i love it i love this movie and i also like okay i like teared up a little bit when he made that candle for his dad that smelled like his grandpa for his dad i mean you guys, so the sweet. fact that he made the candle smell like the grandpa, like that is the most beautiful. Like I have chills. Like it was such <laughs> so thoughtful. a way to make the quirky hobbies so beautiful mm-hmm. and important. And they had this misunderstanding, right? Where he was like, oh, I can't leave the store because my dad will be mad. And the dad's like, oh, I want you to leave the store. And I actually love your business. This is very like, or like, I like, I love that you brought grandpa back. Yeah. And Oh fuck. What was I going to say? I forgot you teared up that. Oh yeah. And it's that this movie also like, again, could have been a hatchet job with the number of dead parent tropes we have going on in this movie. Like it's like the layers of dead parents in this movie is honestly confusing to me there are so many people that are no longer with us and that's being used in this tropey way and I, I, I and i don't mean to be insensitive here but that's just a trope of the genre right that is used to create intimacy in this way and i've never seen so many versions of the trope in one film before but it's so effective the grandpa's gone and they're able to bring it back with the smell and it's really special and beautiful and um and it was yeah and i agree ali I think I the when he when she was like what is this he was like yeah. it's a candle or I was like no they fucking didn't no <laughs> he's not a candle maker that's too good <laughs> it's like that's too fucking good 
Oh my God. I'm just tickled. I'm just tickled. Um, oh my God. Another reference, which honestly I was like, you can't do this, but the movie is so genre referential that it has to be. They have um the song Breakfast Club song? No, Vagabond by Wolf Mother, which is a 500 Days of Summer classic, <gasps> which is like, you can't, you can't steal from 500 Days of Summer. That soundtrack <laughs> is iconic and is a standalone piece of art. And they took one of the most iconic songs, that one where it's like the drum beats and it's like and I'll tell you everything about being free, but it's only for like it cuts off early. Well, they also but- took the the song that she climbs the rock climbing mountain to is the "Don't You Forget About Me" by the Breakfast Club, which is like oh, the most iconic song ever. Where you know it's when Molly Ringwald gives her diamond earrings um, away, like that. Oh song. my god! Um, of course, it's but, so uh, good. The it's music so is the music. Good. Oh my god! And then la- okay, and then the song that plays, I believe, after she does the grand gesture with the Mormon cards, I think, is that when they, the song "Curl" plays, which is just a song I love, and it's so beautiful. And honestly, that's when I teared up. It's such a like intimate, beautiful song, and it was such a great choice for this movie. Um, the music's great, and I'm so yeah. grateful to streaming platforms for pouring money into these movies where we can get wonderful soundtracks because that is part of the genre. Yeah, part of the genre is culturally relevant, referential, beautiful soundtracks. And I'm crazy about this one. Me too. Me too. Oh, can I do another little Mia's neurotic corner moment? Yes, do a Mia's neurotic corner moment. <laughs> great. Mia's neurotic corner moment. There is a moment where she's in the bathtub and drinking wine, which I love how much she's drinking wine. I've never felt more seen in my entire life. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> that's that's yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um uh when she's in the bath and she immediately takes her hands out of the water and picks up her cell phone yeah. to type. It's like, no, don't touch. I mean, maybe it's waterproof. I, <laughs> I, 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 I just, there, there are waterproof iPhones. I talked to some people from Apple about this, but I've never seen them advertised. <laughs> I don't feel like that technology. I feel like they would be, you know, pumping that out more if that was honestly, that stressed me out. So just a little towel wipe in between. That's it. Music neurotic moment corner done. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, another thought I had was the the. And this is Ali. How do you feel about this? I feel like they could have talked less about the kiwi allergy before. Um. Oh yeah, that like, was like really heavily set up. You mean? Yeah, and it's and I'm of two minds about it because the first time when I was barely watching it, I did miss it. I only heard <laughs> one of the times they said it, so I was like, maybe that's designed for someone like me, where they're like, people aren't going to be paying attention in the beginning, so we got to say it a few times. But here's what I think. I just think Kiwi's too specific that it's like, what? Okay, this is annoying. <laughs> Obviously, she's going to have a reaction. But yeah. if you had just made her like um, an anal retentive person with a nut allergy, and I hate to say this, I'm not saying that to the people out there with nut allergies. I Mina know it's hates scary. people with nut allergies. She thinks no, I, look, their I, allergies yeah. are so annoying. <laughs> I'm just annoyed with you, and I don't believe you, and I don't believe you. No, I have friends with nut allergies. You know, it's like very life threatening, and it is scary. But I will say, like that sort of fits in that, like the Mormon joke. I think could have been sold as a more standalone joke that you don't see coming, perhaps. Yeah, but. But that being said, I still love <laughs> I love the sexy karaoke number with the swollen face like Hitch. I, I read in wow. a review that they thought it was too mean. And I'm like, maybe, but I do think it's such a funny circumstance. I don't think it's mean. I think it's like yeah. physical. It's physical humor and like 
it's, I don't know. I always think it's fun when like ladies get to do kind of like jokes where they get to be gross and ugly and stuff. Yes. Honestly. Yes, Allie. And I think that's part of what I love about it. Especially yeah. when she's just like absolutely being her sexiest and then just is having the most and just utterly failing because as women, I that am, happens yeah. all the time where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm being so sexy right now. And then you look in the mirror and you're like, I had a big old piece of lettuce in my teeth. Yes. Yes. And I love and I agree. Like I again, I'm like the more poop jokes ladies can get in rom coms, the more the yeah, the more that like we're not forced into these boxes of like sweet little ladies, especially Ali and I as like women who do comedy in Los Angeles. It's like I I I see I saw that change in the comedy scene from when I first moved here to later. Um, just like, yeah, women being allowed to be <laughs> more disgusting or and taking and, and choosing to and taking up space or being able to like reference our specific body parts um, yeah. and stuff like that. So I, I do. I also find it empowering and lovely that I'm like, yes, let that happen, please. Agreed. And again, I just got to say Roger Ebert.com gave this one star. That gave this is beautiful. Insane. Love letter to a genre that is very clever and structurally satisfying. Yes. And honest, and I, I, I don't know how much this person knows about rom-coms. Because if you know about rom-coms, you see this movie, you go, this is written by very smart people. Very people smart. really know the genre people. and love the genre. Yeah. It's like a celebration of, of both rom-coms and holiday rom-coms. It's, it's great. I mean, like the yeah. title itself is like, you know, a reference to two, well, Die Hard is not a, uh, it's a, ho- a holiday movie, but not, you know, rom-com, but it's a, it's a reference to, to pop culture, um, and, and holiday movies. Yeah. It's like, they're operating at, like they're operating the game board at such a high level with this yeah. that I'm like one, one star. Like you can give, there are so many phoned in holiday rom-coms. I can get one star. This is, I, I love this movie. Yeah, me too. There was a few loose ends where it's like, there were that where they have, like, she's right. The secret expose trope was like not fully committed to. <laughs> I was, was expecting more with that. Like more, I think they could have taken that further and she could have actually been writing something negative about Josh and like, it could have hurt him. I think that would have been good. Um, and the, him and his brother's relationship doesn't get resolved. And her boss coming out is very unhinged and <laughs> bizarre. Um, I love her boss. He's so yeah. weird. <laughs> He's so weird. He's also, did you feel weird about that scene in the office in the beginning where they're talking? Did you feel like that was shot on like two different sets? The like when he's at the bike, the desk bike, and it she's feels talk- like it's shot with a different camera. It's like yeah, it's like the they get a better camera when they like move to the small town in Lake Placid. But yeah, that camera felt like the lighting just felt really stark and like not soft at all, like very harsh and weird. Yeah. Like the filming style felt different. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very. I, I agree with you. And I will say, lastly, I think how this is pushing the genre forward is it's taking the like small town holiday rom-com situation and it's adding grit to it. You know, it's, it's yeah. adding the less groomed female uh, representation to it. It's adding um, a softer, less masculine uh, perspective on like a male character to it. Like it's really, and I appreciate so much 
when these streaming rom-coms add like the more realness of what's actually happening in culture among young adults right now. And I really love it. I really love it. Allie, what else have you got? What, what other thoughts do you have? I mean, I, I think the cast is incredible. Um, it's nice to see that the leading man, neither leading man is white. They're both, yeah. um, both Asian American. Um, and I think that's really cool. And, um, yeah, this movie was, I love it. I'm going to watch it probably another time before the holiday season is over. I'm a thousand percent going to watch another time before the holiday season's over. Yeah. Um, but we've talked about what we think works, you know, some loose ends that we might've liked to see tied up, but shall we go over the tropes? Because this movie was chock full. Like I, I do want to start us off Mia. Oh yeah. Bear with me. Cause it's going to be a ride y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have narration in the beginning. Nina Dobrev narrating. We have the getting ready montage in the beginning um where nina dobrov is getting ready for all of her dates which is also mixed in with her bad date montage of all the bad dates she's going so on which is amazing. montages yeah this is and this is within like the first five minutes we get yeah. all these tropes she is in print media she's literally sort of like modern day journalist um also who what okay i'm sorry the situation she writes a blog on dating and she affords that apartment in west hollywood in 2021 absolutely not no. yeah she's got a huge <laughs> ass apartment no 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 um, she's got a work friend who's obsessed with her love life. Um, <laughs> adore it. She's carrying a big Christmas tree. <laughs> which all by herself. Before. All by herself. Like that's absolutely a rom-com trope. Yeah. Um, we have good on paper guy, which is of course tag, which I love the update. Good on app guy, which yeah. that's a really fun update of that trope. Skinny girl eats a lot. You know, yes. what can I say about this? You know, yeah. and they say that she sort of was was larger when she was younger. Sure, maybe whatever, but she's still very, you know, Dobrev is very, very, very tiny. Thin. And she's like, I eat Ben and Jerry's. And I was like, you and it's like, do not. You don't. You, you absolutely don't. don't. That sort of, and that's again, but I don't know how, I don't know how we deal with that in long term in the genre, but I don't, you know, it's, yeah, you don't. They also, she also, like her oh, friend calls her an LA6 at one point, And I was like, oh, don't do that. Don't you dare don't call that. her an LA6. That is so wrong. <laughs> Nina Dobrev is like one of the most like conventionally attractive people. It's like very, yeah. no. Oh yeah, that's another one. Oh my God. Pretending that a beautiful actress is like not hot. That's like, <laughs> oh, Allie, we just accidentally stumbled into that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I already mentioned this, but this movie is dead parent city. I'm sorry. So her mom is dead or her dad's dead. Mm-hmm. And then her, and then his mom is out of the picture. I, fr- I, I missed what happened to Josh, to Josh's mom. Yeah. Josh has a stepmom. Uh, I didn't hear what happened to her though. I don't remember. Yeah. Shame. And then, jo- and then Josh's grandpa's dead, which also fills part of the dead parent trope. Yeah. Because of what, how they use it. The walk down scene, but with Josh. Yes. <laughs> where they're playing. Lobo. Yeah. It's like, Instead of, yeah, it's like a slow-mo reveal down the staircase. It's a slow-mo reveal up the staircase. Yeah. So I think I just died in your arms tonight and it's Josh. It's Um, so funny. (laughs) It's so funny. Uh, We're in a little perfect town where we're running into everybody we know. Um, I do feel that karaoke is a rom-com trap. I I just feel like, you know, it's in my best friend's wedding. It's in... It's in Just Friends uh, that happens during Christmas. Yeah, Um, it's in... um, It happens in... um, isn't it romantic? 
it, oh, it, it happens, happens in, in um, uh, yes. Uh, what is that? What is that one? Oh gosh, it's, uh, the the proposal. The proposal. It also happens in a uh, happiest season at the bar. Oh my god, you're right. So much karaoke. So much karaoke. So much karaoke. Um, I have tending to a crush's wound, but I forget what happened. It's her uh, uh, allergy. allergy. Yes, it's her allergy. Um, which I also thought was such. It was like it was very high stakes. She yeah. needed her epipen. Liked <laughs> um, we have that. We gotta pretend today slash mm-hmm. help you get someone else trope. We see this. <laughs> in one of my favorites drive me crazy. Uh, der, 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 uh, what? Yeah, and then we've got. Um, I and mean, then it's kind of in 10 Things I Hate About You. We've got a horny elderly person. Yes. We've got a horny grandma, you know, lover. Who swears to. She's like a yeah. crazy grandma. Great, cra- crazy, crass grandma. Yeah. Um, we've got the perfect sibling. Um, macho, macho man. I love that. I like where they take it. Um, quirky hobby slash profession. And that he is a candle maker, which again, hats <laughs> off to you for finding the most specific <laughs> representation of that trope um we had a secret expose she's writing a secret expose around him again i would have liked to see a little more 27 dresses level um repercussions on that but i will take it because there was a lot entered in to the trope <laughs> you know situation. so i get they can't all be played out we've got the big speech which you mentioned she gives the big speech at the party mm-hmm. we've got the grand gesture which we talked about which is the cardboard cutouts i wrote the big reveal i don't know what that is oh it's a bet oh you were paid oh, to date yes me. yeah oh yeah that's okay that's yeah yeah sort of the big like moment of like <gasps> Um, the ruse is exposed. That's what I had. Allie, what do you have? Excellent job, Mia. Um, did you did you say best friend obsessed with her love life? I did. Oh. I'm so her sorry. boss is kind of obsessed with her love life too, but it's like yes. um I have a um makeover, but it's like a make down where she like instead of wearing her cute clothes, wears like overalls and um like uh like plaid and stuff um i don't know why i wrote this but i wrote like you're secretly high for something like i feel like that happens with a lot of rom-coms like in the one in like sleeping together or sleeping with other people like they show up to a party high and then what is it that nancy there's one. Uh, oh yeah, it's complicated. it's complicated. They go to a party high secretly, and in this, like, she like gets high before she goes bobsledding, which is funny. Um, so I have, like and, being secretly high is like a new trope that to introduce I, that. I agree. I have um, teaching your crush something. Josh oh, yeah. teaches her how to climb, like rock climb a wall. Um, it's like a really cute scene, actually. Um, it's, I think you got everything else. I'm trying to, there were so many. Did you do spontaneous singing? You did karaoke, but then there's also like a song and dance number. I feel like when they go caroling with the family, there's like, you're right, Allie, that has to be counted. Oh, you know what? And it is heteronormative. 
Oh yeah, heteronormative. And um, the boss has a speech that's like, this is who you are speech. Yes. You go out with people and um, you find one thing wrong with them and then you throw them out the door and you're just bad at dating, you know? Oh my God. Which also includes two more tropes, Sally, which are like the list with a person who just like won't date people for very specific reasons, which is like in So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh yeah. And then um, also the boss is kind of a gay best friend. Yeah, because um, no, you're right. Queer. Yeah. Gay best boss. Right. Gay best boss. That takes us to 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 31, which I wouldn't oh expect. Oh, God. <laughs> this movie is Trope City. Um, and it besides the, the negative ones that are just like, you know, par for the course of the genre, we salute you for how many good tropes you squeezed in there in a thoughtful way. Yeah. Um, okay. Now I think it's time to rate this holiday rom-com. We here at PSA Love Rom-Coms have an ever-changing list of top five holiday rom-coms. As of now, here are our top five holiday rom-coms. Bridget Jones's Diary, The Holiday, The Family Stone, Love Actually, and Serendipity. So now, if we so choose today, we can put Love Hard on that list, but we will have to unanimously agree to vote off one of those other top five to replace it with. So what do we think? Does Love Hard deserve a spot on the top five? And if so, who should it knock off? Allie, do you have a strong take? I think it should go on the list. Yes. <laughs> agreed, agreed. I really like it. Um... I don't know where it should go on the list. It's interesting because one of the movies that it's like kind of based off of is on the list. Love actually is on our right. holiday list already. Um, yes, that's that's where I am. What are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I think it should go on the list, but I, you know, there's a part of me that like wants to honor that a lot of these films are genuine. Um are just genuine earnest holiday rom-coms and this movie while it is absolutely rom-com reference heaven i think because of the self-aware nature of it and where it's sort of mm-hmm. pushing things i i do want to honor that a lot of these movies are just earnest attempts at the holiday rom-com and the one i, I think i'm actually willing to part with serendipity um because I will say, you know, Bridget Jensen's Diary is a classic. I'm a huge stan. You know, I'll never say anything <laughs> negative about it. The holiday, you got to have it on. It's an absolute dream and a vacation for the soul. You got to take it. The Family Stone, you know how I feel about that. Complicated woman only gets better every year. I love Actually, you know how I feel about that. I love Love Actually. I think Serendipity is a good movie. I do like it. But I think... Um, I think Love Hard pushes the genre forward. Mm-hmm. I think it's like more specific and grounded. Um, and I think that's where it should go. I think it should take fifth place of serendipity. I completely agree. Yeah, no, <gasps> I think that's, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you're right. Cause it is, it definitely is like commenting on rom-coms more and celebrating rom-coms more. Um, but yeah, there's something to be said about like, you know, the other movies on the film, you know, probably inspired what we love so much about Love Hard. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it's it's modern, it's fun, it's fresh. Let's put it on. Uh, yay, we did it! Woo! And with that business settled, you guys, it's time for a reality check. In this segment, we test out the tropes and plot devices and the rom-coms we've just watched to see if they hold up in the real world. In this movie, we see the Cyrano de Bergerac trope of someone helping someone else disguise who they really are to win a suitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie, Josh helps Natalie pretend to be a rustic outdoors woman to win over tag. Now, Mia, have either one of us ever tried to be, ever tried to pretend to be someone else to win over a crush? 
Hmm. Um, <laughs> I, nothing. I have like a few, but nothing's coming to mind right away. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have <laughs> all the time. Um, oh I think goodness. my biggest one was when I was in high school, I had a really big crush on this guy in the theater department um, who his name was Nick and he wore crew necks and did improv like crew neck sweatshirts mm. and, and did improv. And so I started buying a lot of crew neck sweatshirts and then I joined the <laughs> improv team. Um, and then it turned uh, out that I, I did genuinely enjoy both. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, did not end up, didn't win him over, but I did, you know, we didn't fall in love, but I did fall in love with improv and uh, still doing it today. <laughs> hey! Oh my gosh, jokes on him. Jokes on uh, him. Um, I love that. But yeah. That's, that's very fun. That's very relatable. I did just buy a crew neck sweatshirt this week at Target. One of my many, many I have purchased over the years. Very relatable. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've absolutely done it. I've absolutely pretended to be like more into a band. Um, I'm trying to, let me, I want to think of a specific thing. Hmm, oh, nothing comes. I mind. one time read an entire book series of 10 books. They're called the Cirque de Free <gasps> books because I had a crush on someone who I saw him reading one of those books and I was like, awesome, I'm going to read these books so that one day he'll see me reading it and we can talk about it. And then he'll realize that he really likes me. Um, but that moment did happen. He did see me reading one of the books and we did have a conversation. Um, but then we didn't talk ever again after that conversation. So, um, Oh my God. And a lesson to, is sort of a, a lesson, just be yourself, you guys, because, uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. The lesson. And I will, I will go ahead and mirror this with an, I just realized this and it is the same lesson, which is that, yeah, this guy was really into it. High school. I did sort of, and for you young people out there, we did used to burn a mix CD. Um, <laughs> Is what I did. So I did burn this man who's now a man, was a child. I did burn him a mixed CD and I was really excited. And I was like, oh, I'm going to put a bunch of songs on that like look really impressive that like yeah. I know he likes and it'll yeah. sort of bond us. And he got it and he was sort of like, oh, weird. I know all these songs. Man, I was really hoping for some new music. Okay. Oh, and I was like, oh my, my God. God. I, mean, a, I mean, A, he absolutely sucks. You're right. I know what you're thinking and you're right. He sucks. But B, um, also a good lesson where it's like, oh yeah, just be yourself because they don't want, nobody wants you to pretend to be them because then it's like, oh, okay, cool. And they could tell, but also you're right. You're absolutely right. He's lame. Um, you should have been like, thank you so much for taking the time to burn me a CD, Mia. I'm sure you put a lot exactly. of thought into it and time into it. I and I appreciate all that. The songs on the CD in Sharpie, which is what we did. Oh my um, gosh, you did? Oh. Yeah, we used to do it in high school. We would write out the songs, be like one in the name of the song and the artist in Sharpie. Um, I probably still have the mix in my iTunes. Um, <laughs> send it to me. I want to listen. <laughs> I'll send it to you, Allie. Oh my God, I'll go look at it and then send it to you via Spotify because that's where we are now. But um, so reality checks out in that this happens and it is ineffective, <laughs> which is what the movies and comms also tell us. Wow. Okay. Well, I hate to say this because I want to stay in the world of love hard for the rest of my life, but that's the pod. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the podcast. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to subscribe and rate. And we are brought to you by Campfire Media. And P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love-
I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrows will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder I than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire. <laughs>